Welcome to the Autobahn Country Club Podcast, where your host, club member John Grabeel, opens the doors to America's premier auto sports club. Now, here's John. Hey, Mark, welcome to the Autobahn Country Club Podcast. Well, thanks for welcoming me. I always like being welcomed. Yes, I'm John Graville, producer Mark McFarland, joining me on May 19th, right before we're getting ready to release this podcast before a very exciting weekend at the track known as Spring Time Festival of Speed. I, I no, Spring. <laughs> we'll do it again. <laughs> joining this May 19th, right before a super exciting weekend at the Audubon Country Club, because this is our first festival weekend of the year known as Spring. Springtime Speed Fest, May 21st through May 23rd. Be there or every be day. Square. Be there every day. Every day. Well, because really, I guess it'd be more oval or road tracky. You can't be square because 90 degree turns would be really hard to do in a race. You know, yeah. Straight 90, I straight guess. 90, straight 90. <laughs> kind of a boring race. It'd be kind of like Monaco, like a parade. <laughs> anyway, uh spring springtime speed fest. You're invited. Yep. I know a lot yeah. of the good stuff going on. We could start from the beginning or we could start from the back. Where would you like to start? Uh let's start at the beginning. What's going on this weekend at the track? Well, there's I think everything that can be raced is being raced. I think we'll have it's full track. Oh, full track Fridays. Saturday, Sunday, I guess, right? I full track the weekend. Whole weekend. Yeah, full track whole, whole, whole weekend. The whole track is to ourselves. The entire thing. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. <laughs> I, 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 am, I am jumping for joy. If you all could see me, I'm jumping for joy. So, <laughs> do you have the schedule in front of you, Mr. Graybeal? Uh, I, I do not have it actually in at, front at, you know, of... You, you, you entertain the, the people. And I'm going to go to the Autobahn. Um, yeah, the Festival see, of Speed like, weekend. It's the first week. It's the best weekend of the year. No, it's the most exciting weekend of the year. It is. It's because, really the kickoff, I think. You know, I mean, we've had a couple races. And now but, we're really yeah, going to jumpstart. Yeah, yeah. We've had one chase race. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think I might one have mentioned this. Well, I was going to go about the chase race because my wife got second place in the chase race, I think is what Again. she got. Yeah. Speed. So yeah, I got 14th in the first chase race, which is weird because there was only 10 people in the race. <laughs> Quite embarrassing. Quite embarrassing. Well, there's a chase race coming up again this Friday, which I hope to do better than 14th out of 10. <laughs> yes. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah, right. so yeah. Springtime Festival of Speed. I have Autobahn app on your phone. It tells you everything one human being could do. So besides downloading this podcast, like and share with all your friends like you all should be doing, you should also have the Autobahn app on your phone. And it can tell you the whole entire fun schedule. I like that app. We're getting a new app this year at some point. But yeah, I do like that. I do use it quite a bit, actually. Yep. So we're going to have some chase races on Friday. Right, Friday. Chase racing. Yes, yes. Um, then, which is going to be a lot of fun. 
the, what will you the, be driving in the chase race, John Graybeal? I think I will be borrowing my son's backup spec Miata because the regular spec Miata is undrivable or unraceable or something. <laughs> I'm not sure. Something like that. So, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, that's what I'm driving. Uh, spec the, Miata. The queen? The queen will be t- driving? Uh, her uh, silver Porsche Cayman. And are you going to have the young man driving With his new- Ford? His Ford Focus. ST. No, he's not doing that. No, he's got That'd to focus be a blast. on. That would be he, fun he for him love to, do. He would love to do it, but um, he's got other things he needs to be focusing. on. What's a set of tires? You know, really. What's I a did, set of I tires? I just bought him a set of tires and her set of tires, <laughs> so I'm using used tires when I go out. <laughs> Old tires. We don't call them used. We call them, you know, rubbed in, scrubbed in, scrubbed in tires. There you go. Yep, yep, yep. And then what? Yeah. What should we do? What should we do after the chase race? Uh, there is for a wonderful buffet and wine tasting. I, I do like, I did the wine tasting last year. It was actually pretty good. It was yeah. pretty good. Of course, Chef Peggy's food, you know, come on. Crushes seriously, it. really? Yeah. Yep. Knocks out of the park. Yep. 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 And then after all that, uh, Saturday comes along and we have more Saturday. springtime festivals. Um, and there'll be, uh, spec Miata, radical wings and thing races, a patio party at night. Um, and, uh, what's really nice is the, that evening there, oh, uh, the, the, the tequila tasting or something, right? Is that right? G4 is that, tequila. Is that that night? Yeah, G4 tequila. Oh, Let's G4. Give them okay. Props. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And then, oh, by the way, the whole weekend, the cart track will be running the full track, which is includes the skid pad. So we'll yeah, be doing I, that. I, yeah, the full track with skid pad, which is the extension. I'm not sure. Anyway, yeah, full it track with skid pad. It's called the Mario Kart track. But everybody knows what that means. Full track with the skid pad. Yes, cart, cart racing. Yeehaw. And yeah. um, you're racing, right? Uh... <laughs> Maybe, maybe not. I, depends on when I get to the garage, John, and take a look at the cart and see if all the parts are on it. <laughs> um, well, hopefully you'll be racing. Yeah, uh, I got uh, I got a couple kids racing, and uh, um, yeah, a couple kids racing. Fingers so. crossed for um, the Princess of Speed. Yep. Everybody, come and out then- and support the Princess of Speed for. Oh, we yeah. got to get her on the podium. We got to get, get her yeah, on the let's podium. Get a, everybody who's listening to this podcast, if you're around on Sunday, we highly encourage during a break or something like that, come on down, watch these youngsters drive and cheer them on. And then you can watch us old fuddy-duddies drive too if you really want to. But really come down and let's cheer these kids on. And, you know, really, because there's some really excellent young talented kids coming yeah, up that yeah, if you're driving yeah. a spec Miata right now, you need to be worrying about some of these nine, 12, 13 year old kids out there. The Connor Willis's, the, uh, Jackson Woolies, even younger or, um, who else can we name? Give me oh, one more Sam, name. Sam, Sam, Sam Bowman. Bowman. Yeah. Sam yeah. Bowman. I mean, these are, uh, oh, and then of course, uh, Christian Weir, Spencer McFarlane. Yeah. I mean, these are kids that you got to, you guys are all sitting back, 
going, what's happening out at the cart track? That's your future competition. If you're in a spec Miata, a Reatical, a winging thing, those are the kids that are going to come up and you'll be like, where'd he go? Where'd who go? Is that famous movie saying goes, right, John? Do you know what movie that's from? Yeah. Top Gun. Um, <laughs> show me the way to go home. So, um, you know, I did a barbecue at that place. Kansas City Barbecue is actually the name of that place where they were singing that. Oh, really? Yeah. Mark Goose was fight? singing. No fights. No. Okay, nope. Yeah. So, uh, Miata race on Saturday with the Radical and Wings and things, and then yep. the GT race. So, it's a huge GT race, looks like. Uh, that's going to go on Sunday along with the kart race. So, yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool and weekend. it's supposed to be toasty warm. Oh, and, oh, don't forget about the buffet, mimosas, all that stuff on Sunday. So, if you go hungry at the track this weekend, you do not know where the where Chef Peggy hangs her hat. Yeah, uh, a lot of opportunities to eat, that's for sure. <laughs> that's an opportunity. There's some well, weight issues to your car, racing car after this weekend. <laughs> uh, inter- interview, so, yeah. Who, who do you got voice, on? Hey, who, what, the voice here. Of, the voice of the Audubon. Jeremy, Jeremy Scott, the voice of the Audubon. Uh, we and many got, voices of other things. Uh, a lot, lot of, of things. And as I say, a lot of irons in the fire. That's, what's another way we can say that? I don't know. That's my favorite one. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, fantastic. I didn't know a lot about uh, Jeremy. I didn't know his whole story. I didn't know that he started as a corner worker at the Audubon Country Club. It was his very first job when his mom and dad said, go out and get a job this summer. So he did. And uh, that turned into, I thought it was interesting because, you know, that he joined the Audubon or joined the Audubon to, to work here. And um, then he now has a job in, because of the Audubon, you know, his full-time job uh, and his uh, additional full-time jobs and his business ventures and everything all revolve around that one opportunity that he got here. So I just thought it was neat. It wasn't necessarily people came out to the Audubon and you had to, the only, the only opportunity you had was to become a race car driver. There's lots of things you can do in this genre, this area, this field of cars and racing. And uh, Jeremy's just a perfect example of someone who uh, just knocked it out of the park and just got all things going and it's super busy. And uh, yeah, he's killing it. Kind of like firing on all cylinders. He is. Absolutely. Yeah. So with the how Oh, that was clever. See, it took me for a second because I was all spun up to do. Let's welcome Jeremy Scott on the Audubon Country Club podcast. Welcome to the Audubon Country Club podcast. I'm your host, John Graybill, joined with Jeremy Scott, the voice of the Audubon Country Club. Well, thank you, John, for having me. Uh, really looking forward to this. You know, it's kind of nice having somebody else run a podcast. So, well, you are—you have quite. Uh, uh, we're going to cover all the irons that you have in the fire, and uh, I am excited to have you on on the show. Uh, Producer Mark has been uh, Mark McFarland has been uh, trying to uh, push me to get this scheduled, and uh, so thanks for your uh, uh, Wednesday afternoon may 19th the uh, opening that we took advantage of yeah you know it's what's one good thing about doing uh working in the morning is i have like the rest of the afternoon myself so it's either i go for a bike ride or i do this or i do that so um it's nice to have the afternoons off and you know just free to do whatever 
And uh, fantastic equipment because you sound great. <laughs> I appreciate it. When you have to do uh, traffic reports or news reports for different stations around the Midwest, you know, you got to sound good. And in this age, it uh, with everybody working from home, you know, we're lucky that good equipment like what I have now is just easily accessible. Yeah. What kind of microphone are you using? Uh, this is a Sennheiser um, MD421. So it's it's what a lot of the talk stations use um, around the country. Yeah, it's it's sounds great. <laughs> and you know, it's it's routed through a board, which is routed into my computer. So, um, it's it's it does what it needs to do, basically. Well, yeah. So, uh, well, let's let's start at the beginning. Where did you, where did you grow up? I actually grew up in the Crest Hill area where I'm, I'm living now with my wife. Uh, I've been a Joliet area resident my whole life. Uh, I was actually born though in Fort Bliss, Texas. My dad was in the um, National Guard at the time, and that's where he was stationed. So we uh, obviously that's where I was born, and then we moved back up here. And this is I've lived in this area my whole life. Uh, so did he spend 20 years in the, in the guard? <laughs> no, he spent, uh, four or five years in the guard. Um, and, uh, you know, he started, he trained down at, uh, Fort Leonard Wood and then was transferred down to Fort Bliss, Texas. And then after I was born, that's when we moved back up here. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, oh, awesome. Awesome. What did, what did he do in the, uh, you said the air force, is that what you said? Or the army guard? No, National guard. I'm not a national guard. National Guard, gotcha. Okay. That's one thing that he and I never really talked about too much. Um, you know, it's just like, you know, I did this in the garden, I did that. It's like, you know, you listen to those stories, it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, as a kid, and then you just, you know, it just goes over your head after that. So, <laughs> um, and so, so you, uh, you grew up there, went to school there and everything in, in Crestwood? Crest Hill, yeah. I actually, Crest um, Hill, yeah. I went to elementary school in Crest Hill. My family and I moved to Shorewood and I went to Minooka High School. And then, uh, when my wife and I, started really getting serious dating. I moved in with her here in Crestle. So it moves, it's full circle almost. <laughs> Very nice. And so how, so your, your love of cars, uh, where did, uh, where did that come from? Did, did you start uh, liking cars early on? Oh yeah. My dad was a gearhead. So obviously, you know, that transferred into me. The first memory I have of going to a race was when I was three or four years old. We went to Mopar nationals down at, uh, now Lucas Oil Raceway and, you know, got to see drag racing and, you know, and, and that progressed from drag racing to stock cars to sports cars and open wheel cars. So I've had a real love of racing uh, most of my life, uh, most mostly cars, too. And, uh, you know, my head still turns when I still when I see, you know, a classic car or uh, a rare um, foreign car on the roads and you know, the sound and the smell, it, it still gets my blood churning. So I'm still doing something right. <laughs> what was it? What was, what was the first car you, you had? First car I had was actually a 2003 Ford Ranger. I had that. I basically ran that thing into the ground. That's a little, that was a truck, right? A small truck. That's a, little, a small truck. It was, uh, I had the extended bed. So I had the full bed. Uh, extended cab as well, which was interesting. Putting uh, friends in the back seat. Hey, uh, I need to ride here. Well, you gotta get in the back seat. So that was a, that was an adventure with the jump seat. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, uh, so, at what we're gonna cover a lot of ground here. What, what, uh, what was your first 
experience with the Audubon Country Club? Um, it was actually my first job back in 2005. So right after the track opened, I was a corner worker. And, um, you know, my parents are basically like, you need to get a job for the summer. So I saw that this racetrack just opened. Hey, this would be kind of cool because, you know, I never thought that it would lead into a career into motorsports, but I thought this is kind of cool. You know, you get to watch cars on the track and, you know, do be outside, which, you know, I still love to do to this day. And, uh, the, you know, actually it's going to be, let's see, 2005, uh, 16, 17 years this month, actually. Holy cow. Wow. So I've been there from the, from the early, from the early going. Wow. Yeah. I, I guess 2004 and five doesn't seem like that long ago when, unless you detail it out as 16 years ago. <laughs> uh, so what was your first, um, behind, when did you get into broadcasting? I, I guess I'd say, when did you get into, into talking it started in 2008 when I was in junior college at the time, didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was listening to sports radio and there was this commercial for what is now the only media school. I'm like, well, hell, I can do that. So went and talked to them and I spent 10 months there. Uh, throughout that time, uh, um, I was able to start in as the track announcer at Audubon Country Club. So that, you know, it helped to what I was doing. And, you know, it, it been the first true track announcer and um yeah it helped out with the first out uh, the first pro race we had and it's just led to other opportunities since yeah well obviously if you know when, when we hear your voice you're a, a very polished polished broadcaster and interviewer you know how to ask the, the right questions and you know how to stay on top of what's which i don't understand how you know everything that's going on on the track uh I, are you in a blimp or do you have a, you know, do you have a spotter? I mean, in a drone or something flying around, but your, your command of what's happening during the race is pretty, uh, it's pretty cool. Oh, I, I appreciate that. Um, what helps, especially when I, when we have all our races on the South course, I can see the track from three, four different vantage points. So if, when I'm on, when I'm in the South tower, I can see obviously the front stretch all the way through turn four, see him coming out of five and into six. Then you see him through seven, eight, nine, ten, and then watch him come into you know thirteen, fourteen. Now, the past several years, we've had the installation of the cameras, so I can see basically almost the whole track. So I'm watching the cameras. I'm watching what's on the track. I'm watching the cameras. I've got timing and scoring. I've got the uh, race control in my ear, you know, so I hear what's going on with the corners. And you know, being at the track so long, I kind of know. Okay, well, spec Miata. It's going to take a couple seconds for these guys to come through the corners. You know, thirteen, fourteen. Okay, here they come. And so, just the experience of all that and having all those resources that's what brings everything into hold. Now, obviously the North track's a different animal. It's, it's tougher to see, but I still get a good picture of what's going on by what the corner workers are saying and being around the track so long, I know, okay, radical is going to get here, you know, 10, 15 seconds faster than a Miata, for example. So, um, I'm aware of, you know, what a lap, you know, what track car can do around the track. Oh, so you're listening to the corner guys also on the radio. Oh yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Now, what was the first, so you'd mentioned, what was the very first race that you, that you announced at the, at the club? It was a club race. It was, I think a spec Miata race and it was kind of a warm up, but, um, you know, it, it still was interesting because, 
you know, obviously I'm so used to sitting on the corners and watching this happen. But when you're pit side, it's like, okay, this is a little different because now I'm seeing all the track instead of, you know, whatever section of track I'm watching. Wow. So, uh, and then where did, so that was, uh, you said 2008, I think you said 2009 is when I started 2009, 2009. And, uh, yeah. Trailblazing where they, whose idea was it for you to, to announce it? Do you say, Hey, I think I can do this or, uh, um, give me a shot or how, how did that come about? I think it was a conversation. I, I kind of brought it up to Mike Ritter, like, Hey, I want to, when can we try this? Cause I want to get better at this. And, you know, he, he was the one who said, yeah, why don't we have you on the microphone and see how you do. Obviously it was pretty rough because, you know, it's the first time I've ever announced something like that. Cause at that time, uh, before then I called, I think it was an arena football game. And I think maybe one or two baseball games, uh, because when we're at the only media school, they give us the opportunity to um, call these games. And uh, I've ha- I had that opportunity. So it's like, OK, I had something at some speed. But now I'm talking about cars doing 120, 130. So it, it was tough at first. Hmm. Yeah. And what what do you think? uh how far advanced are, are you, are you preparing your words? I guess, I, I guess is the question. I mean, is it just through experience, you know, what's coming out? Are you really planning what, where to take the conver- or take the call? I guess you might say as you're calling the race. It depends, you know, it depends on how the race plays out. Um, you know, sometimes I get a good idea how, how it's going to go by the way the cars act, but I don't really, I can't really prepare what I'm going to say because you don't know what's going to happen. You know, one driver can come off of, you know, North nine. Good, good, good. Okay. They've lost their tire. And all of a sudden, you know, they're spinning out and here comes second place for the lead. You know, I can't predict that. So I just watch what's going on and then I just trans, you know, translate it to whoever's watching and listening. What what is some of your more memorable races there at the club? Uh, that one a couple weeks ago when the uh, SM two when the last starter finished first was quite a race. I mean, do you have do you have uh, uh, some races that you called that kind of stand out over the years? The SM two races last year really stood out, uh, especially with all the close finishes, because I think last year we had some of the best uh, SM two racing with uh, the young drivers coming up. Um, the pro races stand out, too, because there was some great competition um, being able to not only call an Atlantic race, but uh, Trans Am race as well. That was uh, fun. And. I always tell people I love the wings and things races because I get, because I still say dollar for dollar. The pro Mazda is one of the best, uh, developmental ladder cars that ever came through the open wheel system. Yeah. Yeah. So, so from, from that area in your, in your career, so you're going to school and calling races. So how, how did you expand or what was the next, what was the next step in your progress? The next step, the next step was really, um, I w- I actually interned with the late great Tom Natchew for world challenge during the 2009 season. So I would go to different racetracks and learn how to be, a you know, obviously a better, not only a better track announcer, but learn the craft of being in front of the camera. And I learned a lot from Tom, um, I've worked with different pro series throughout this time, too. Uh, So I've worked with Grand Am. I've worked with World Challenge, IndyCar, IMSA, 
Um, there were a couple of years that I was the film announcer for the American Le Mans series at Road America. Um, I was I've been the pit reporter for Grand for the Grand Am Rolex series. I've done some work with IndyCar Radio at Road America, um, and of course after that, that also translates into what I do in my nine to five job, which is a traffic reporter and producer. That came about because my now wife said, "You need to get a full time job before you even think about moving in with me." So. Um, <laughs> that's how that led into that without me having to go to like uh, a smaller market to hone my skill as either talk host or a news reporter. Yes. So how does, have you always just worked out of the house when you're doing the the traffic stuff? How, how, How difficult was that to learn? It seems pretty difficult to me, especially if you're doing multiple markets. I've been working out of the, my house for the past year. Um, obviously, when the the pandemic first took hold here in the states, um, that's a story for what, how that one happened um, for later. But there, my office is basically like, look, you've got all the equipment, just you know, work from home. So everybody's been working from home for the past year. It took me a couple months to get acclimated to working from home traffic, but when it comes to starting traffic, it took me. Sometimes I'm still. I feel like I'm still learning because. Um, I started as, um, doing traffic reports for Indianapolis, Des Moines, Minneapolis, and they're 30 to 45 minute, uh, for 30, 45 second reports. So you've got to learn, okay, you've got an NQ, you've got to put in certain amount of content, and then you've got a time certain spot. So I've had to learn over the years how to go through, and if I've got a 15 second spot, in a 30 second report with a three second out cue, I go, okay, I've got maybe seven, eight seconds worth of traffic content. And it, you, you learn, okay, what am I going to say here? So I'm going to go with whatever's the worst here, or I haven't touched on this yet. So I'm going to talk about this. It's still a learning process. Um, I also, with working where I did not, uh, did am now, I should say, I worked with WBBM in Chicago. So that was a little bit easier because you have more time to talk about things. You can kind of go a little bit more in depth and it led to flying in a, in a airplane and I miss it, but I'm glad I'm not doing it anymore. Um, and then you get to see, actually see what the heck's going on. So that's where my motorsports also came in as well. I'm seeing the action. I'm describing the action to the listeners who may be stuck in that action. You know, it's no different than what I'm doing here at Audubon. So, um, but it's, you're still learning and you talk to traffic reporters too. And even sometimes they'll say they're still learning the art of doing traffic because it constantly changes. So how are you getting your, your data? Are you getting a uh, visual feeds for traffic or do you get it uh, via just numbers or how, how do you know what's, what the heck is going on? So there are different ways that we get it. Um, Google maps, we get traffic cameras and there are uh, DOT websites that have sensors. They have all sorts of traffic information. Um, we also have scanners. A lot of people hook up their scanners and they'll broadcast them to different websites. And some we can go back and listen to. Like if there's a crash, I didn't get the exact location. Okay, I'll go back and listen to it. Others, well, I'm just going to gamble and see what happens. Um, but we still have a ton of resources and um, especially here in Chicago, I'm lucky enough to have connections uh, with the police department so I can talk to them and be like, Hey, I heard this is going on or what's the information on this other markets. I'm not so lucky. I've got to, you know, try and do the best I can with what limited resources I have. So it really depends on the markets. 
And, and in a given day, how many different markets do you do? Do you focus on one, one or well, it's usually one. And for me, it's, it's Chicago because I'm the most senior producer where I'm working and everyone has, you know, everyone has trust in what I do. So I don't know why they have trust in what I do, but, um, it's mostly Chicago. Sometimes I'll do Indianapolis, which I'm very familiar with as well. Uh, it just depends on the day. Wow. That's crazy to me to be able to juggle that and be able to, to, to roll with it. Okay. So I have lived in Illinois for 55 years and I have driven to Chicago for work for the last 21 years. I don't understand a word you guys are saying. I got to be honest. I don't understand. I'm driving down I-55. Why can't you tell me what's happening on I-55? You have got to be so ingrained. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times I hear that. I hear that at least once or twice a week. Like, why can't you guys slow down? Because we have a certain amount of time. See, when I started with WBBM, the time never changed. I had 90 seconds, no matter what. In the overnights, it was easy because there's not much that goes on in the overnights. But when they started throwing me on, you know, the weekend rotation, that's when it got a little bit more hectic because, as you know, around 9, 10 o'clock, that's when people start to go out. They'll go to the lakefront. They're going to Six Flags or they're going to uh, the Morton Arboretum or the Botanic Gardens or something. And traffic gets backed up, and then there's incidents and crashes and construction and everything. So that's when time gets a little tighter. But when you're flying in the plane, time gets even tighter than that because you're sharing time with the chopper. You're sharing time with the anchor in the studio. So maybe if you're lucky, you get 10, 15 seconds in the plane. And you've got to describe describe a huge crash in front of you, which I've had a couple of those to call. They're interesting. Wow. Uh, yeah, I just, I just want to know I 55 from Arsenal road to, uh, I don't know, Cicero and that, and I'll just find it. Can I, I just want my own little, uh, traffic report. It says, John, you're fine. Or it's going to be too, it's going to be a long time before you get home. <laughs> you know, there, there should be a market for that. I don't disagree. If, if uh, people want to send a check my way, I'll gladly help develop the technology and, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll voice it. That's fine. I mean, that's that's not hard to do. Um, so, producer Mark uh, McFarland, his wife was uh, worked. I believe it was Shadow Traffic. Is that still around? Yeah, that's actually the company I work for now. Label Total Traffic, um, owned by. Oh, I- okay. Yeah, and we're owned by iHeartMedia. So, okay, uh, I believe this was back in the day when uh, you're pretty young, but all the traffic reporters had to have a different name. You couldn't use your own name. Yep. Uh, and that's different now. Thankful. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, it depends. It depends. Um, she was Barbara Edens, I believe, as, uh, as I remember. And I remember listening to her on WLS uh, back when I was a young kid trying, you know, with the Bishop Ford and the Stevenson. And I was like, this is, I got to I got to move up there if I'm going to understand this. <laughs> um, when I did my week and my overnight weekend shift, I would split between WBBM and WIND. Now, you know, WIND, as we know, is a talk station, but 
I saw it as I didn't want my same name being on a competitor. So I used my real name for WBBM because it's the station. Um, but for WIND, I used Rich Hoyt. And that's actually my step-grandfather's name. I told my grandma, I'm like, I mean, I need a name. And I figured it's probably the best name for that station. She goes, no, that's fine. He'd, he'd appreciate that. So um, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. I, I figured it was easy. It was short to the point. Because I didn't want a long name that, you know, took 10 seconds to say. Yeah, I, I like that. That's cool. And traffic to uh, where's the furthest away you've been to to uh, call a race? Furthest away. Oh, I have to think about this one. Uh, it was e- it's either I would say Utah. I've been out to Utah before. Second furthest was New Jersey. Oh wow! I mean, you've covered quite a distance. What's your favorite racetrack? Um, spectating it has to be but to cross between Indianapolis and Toronto. To call, I have to say, I would have to say um, Groton, just because the layout is just so beautiful there. Um, they use where's that? That's uh, just north of Grand Rapids. Um, oh. yeah, and, and it's just so so hilly. I love it there. Um. Obviously, second, real close is Audubon because you can see everything. I love tracks where you can see everything because I'm not, you know, constantly digging into a timing and scoring. I'm not constantly digging into video. I'm watching what's ahead of me, and I love it. Oh, another iron in the fire here. Uh, Tell me about your your podcast, your podcast ventures, and and, uh, how that got started. Yeah, so I start, well, obviously, Illinois Media School, they, uh, they, encouraged us to have a radio show so i started a motorsport show then called inside line i took that to, after i graduated i took that to a a motor a then motorsports online internet radio company and i got called out by Edmonds at the time they had inside line they threatened to sue so i changed it to inside groove i was a general motorsports show we talked literally everything and then my time got a little busy with, you know, work and everything. So I disbanded that. Um, I had a stint as a, ho- a grant host for the Grand Am podcast when Grand Am Road Racing was around. Uh, but during the you know past couple of years, I've been hemming and hawing doing an oatmeal podcast. I'm thinking, well, I'm going to get lost in the shuffle, you know, because everybody's got an IndyCar podcast. And the more I thought about it, um, you know, beginning of last year, I'm like, let's just do it. You know, I've got the connections. I've had a couple of my friends are like, you know, you knock it out of the park. You've got plenty of people you can talk to and all this. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And then once the world shut down, I go to my uh, best friend who is, he's a racer himself. I go, let's do this. There's no better time than the present. So for the past year, we've been doing inside open wheel. We cover everything from the U S F four championship all the way up to IndyCar. Um, I'm blessed to have so many great analysts with this, um, you know, between IndyCar radio. Um, we've got Rob Howden, who some, some carters know through, uh, e-carding news. Um, and I've got a couple of friends who I know th- from the sport who are in the paddocks and are able to give me a little bit more deeper information. Yeah. The uh, podcast, uh, was fantastic. The, uh, I've listened to a few of them here and you really, I didn't know half the stuff you guys cover. So, I mean, it was really, it was really intriguing for me as, you know, 
I, I look at a lot of things. Um, uh, one of the most recent guests you had on there, Jordan Missig from the, from the um, Audubon Country Club, you know, just watching his progression in the sport and watching his uh, progression as a driver, it's been pretty exciting to me. And, uh, you know, he's, you know, he's real, real close to my family and, and my kids and helps my kids out quite a bit. Uh, and, you know, I look at a lot of things from the, my perspective of them. I, you know, my daughter at 14 hasn't said, hey, I want to be a race car driver, but uh, she loves driving the cart and uh, that she's doing now. And my son is, you know, basically full time, you know, trying to do this full time, I guess you might say he's in a, a, a specific racing high school, uh, custom program built around that. And so it, it was just really neat to, to know that that podcast was out there to learn so much about what, what's taking place in the open wheel world. And what I like to do, it's like, I love covering IndyCar. Don't get me wrong, but I want to cover the series that nobody else does. So, okay. For example, this weekend while we're recording, uh, the Pro 1600, Pro 2000, and Pro Atlantics, they're all going to be at Barber. So I'm going to have a little bit of focus on that. Um, this week, we're also going to cover what happened at Road America. Now, there wasn't a TV coverage for the F4 and FR Americas. So I kind of took it upon myself to tweet out you know, what was going on, what I could see from timing and scoring, you know, what I heard from other people. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm still going to sit down and talk about it because... It's still ladder series. You know, you still see drivers go from, you know, those series and they may not go over to Europe, but uh, they may go to the road to Indy and run in, you know, Indy Pro 2000 or Indy Lights. And these stories need to be told. These drivers need to get used to these reps, because if they do go into IndyCar, if they go to IMSA or if they go to NASCAR, they need to be comfortable with talking to somebody, you know, whether it's over the phone like you or what you and I are doing. So that way they're not sounding. So, so when they go to their sponsors, they sound polished. They sound confident. That's part of my goal. Of course, also giving these series their due uh, diligence because there's some darn good racing that's not being covered right now. And it's a shame too. Um, I, I agree. And, and of course we have one of our local drivers headed down to Barber this, this, this weekend, Christian Weir, young 14 year old Christian Weir, uh, who just had just coming off a great, um, a great race at mid Ohio. And, you know, we're looking forward to, to watching all his, all his, you know, it's been enjoyable to, to watch his progression and what he's learning and how he's going about climbing the ladder, which is, which is pretty exciting because man, that young man can drive. That's for sure. I was going to say, yeah, he, he is quick behind a wheel and, uh, talking with his dad, Tony about, how much they've been doing testing this off season, you know, going to the Academy, testing different cars, putting him in a radical, making sure he gets enough seat time. Because I think next season, if he gets in the FIA F4 or the US uh, or the USF 2000, he's going to be up near the front and having the tutelage two of Peter Dempsey, that's just going to make him even better. Yeah. The whole, uh, progression that that we've been able to watch and uh you know i've been able to spend some time uh you know different tracks you know watching it it's, it's just pretty cool i mean christian's got a great head on his shoulder and he he uh he loves driving and he's so uh focused i guess is is the best word so his development i mean i'm uh I, i'm all in on his development that's for sure and and his the possibilities of what he has in front of him to to be able to seize. And it's just going to be uh, enjoyable to watch as he goes from, you know, carting and to 
different cars and uh, watch as he just gets faster and faster and faster. And, you know, we talked about Jordan Missig and, you know, how good he's doing in FR Americas. You know, he didn't have the best of weekends, but he's a front runner. I think he still could contend for that championship this year. And, oh, by the way, he's racing with Wayne Taylor Racing in Super Trofeo starting this weekend. <laughs> That's another good team right there. You've got Cooper McNeil, who's racing nationally, internationally. Um, you know, Graham Rahal, who's a member. Oh, he could win the Indy 500 this year. I think he's got a real shot. So really the professional aspect of the Audubon Country Club this year, it's the best we've seen in years. There's certainly a lot of racing development that has taken place. And from, you know, I, I just love it. I just love that opportunity. I, you know, this weekend we're coming up, uh, will be spring, uh, spring spring speed fest and uh you know with all the racing that's going on there i mean i'm just looking forward to watching everything watching these drivers whether they're young or old you know get better and better and better you know some of my dear dearest friends are are probably not going to be an indycar driver next year but boy to watch them get faster and faster and faster in a a miata or a radical or a or a, a pro mazda it's it's pretty cool. I really enjoy it. And I love these full track weekends because we have big fields, especially in the GT challenge. And that always makes for fun racing. Um, I, I, I this weekend's going to be no different. You know, you've got radical cup, nobody, you know, the national series doesn't run until June. So I wouldn't be surprised if we do see double digits in the radical cup races. Um, spec Miata SM2. Those are great fields for full track weekends. And, you know, not to mention on Sunday, you're going to have the cart league running the full circuit. That's going to be huge numbers as well. Yeah, we're, we're unfortunately we're going to miss a couple drivers there due to a, a, a travel race going on. However, last um, the last race, first race of the season, we had some some stars and some really, really good competitive racing. And that's uh, I tell I you know, I'm a staple down there. I love, I love working down there. I love working on the carts. I love watching, uh, all the racing take place. And yeah, with the full track being open up and it's going to be interesting. We might see some different leaders, some different winners. Uh, uh, there's definitely going to be some challenges in tuning the carts. I think, you know, get the right gear, the right tire pressures on there and, uh, a few other uh, things that we can adjust. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun whole, whole entire weekend. Yeah. Unfortunately, my nine to five is going to kind of prohibit me from being down at the car track this weekend, but I'm excited. This is going to be a fun weekend of racing. If you, if you can get out there, trust me, get out there. You're not going to, uh, you're, you're not going to have a better time anywhere else in the Midwest. <laughs> Yeah, so you've uh, yeah you even come down and call some of the come some of the cart races, which has been pretty exciting for us, you know to to hear you know all the cart racers' names on you know and what you're doing and give them that that opportunity and that highlight while they're running around the cart track, which to me is just as exciting as any other racing going on. Yeah, and it's some of the best racing we have in uh, in the country club, and that's saying a lot because we know how close the racing is with Spec Miata. We know how exciting the chase races are, but I think it's where it's at is down at the car track, and that's where it all starts, <laughs> which people don't, you know, if you get a chance to get down to the car track, get there because it's worth it. I've had a chance to run some of the rental carts, too, on the, I wouldn't call it the full circuit, but the normal circuit, and 
it's a blast. It really is. Yeah, the, the rental cartridges is such, I mean, they're so, I mean, to think where the club started and, uh, you know, now that with the, with the facilities, you know, I, I left, um, I left Sunday about five o'clock and there were five cars in a line outside of the cart track, uh, entrance just to get in already. And it, <laughs> I I had never seen so many cars waiting. Sometimes there's one or two, but they were piled up, just, just itching to get in there to that to that track. So yeah, it's a, it's a testament to what the the gentlemen's the gentlemen down there are all doing. You know, and well, I shouldn't say just gentlemen, but gentlemen and ladies, because there's a there's a few girls that, that down there working, which my daughter loves seeing. She loves talking to the uh, girls that work down there. So she has a. Uh, um, you know, some kindred spirits there while she's running around the car track. Yeah. And, th- and this is something that this area desperately needed because the closest car track, even before um, Accelerate opened up in Mokina, you'd have to drive up 355 to, um, what, I think it's Chicago Indoor Karting. It was at the time, now it's K2 speed. So th- it was a bit of a haul. And, you know, the carts at uh, Haunted Trails and Joliet, eh, I... I remember when those first were there and as a little kid, Hey, they're great. But you know, as an older adult, it's like, Oh, okay. I could just go full throttle. These are a bit more of a challenge and I enjoy it. I, I love every time I come off the car track, you know, it's a huge smile. I love, love running that car track. (laughs) Yeah. It's at least a lot of fun. Well, uh, Jeremy, I just want to thank you so much for your time and getting on the show and talking a little bit about your background. So, you know, everybody hears your voice and now we, we know how you started. I mean, I didn't know that you started as a, as just a corner and not just, I shouldn't say just a corner worker, but started as a corner worker, a very valuable corner worker, and uh, then expanded everything. And it's also interesting to hear a story of someone who has a career from the Audubon that's not driving a car it's it's a it's a career uh involved in motorsports that's for sure so um i think that's pretty interesting about it's not just one thing you can do if, and if that doesn't work out you you don't have anywhere to go but this the autobahn is a is has so many aspects and so many uh great ways to start a career and to enjoy motorsports yeah and if and that's the thing too you know it, yeah i have that motorsports career but I was also able to parlay in this other thing. So it's a great place to start a career for someone looking to get started. And, you know, you don't have to be you know behind the wheel or behind the microphone. You can, you know, work in marketing because there's so many, you know, work in the cafe. There's so many connections you can make here in motorsports in you know, at the Audubon that can branch you out anywhere. And I've been lucky to have those connections and I still do to this day. And, um, you know, yeah, I'm still, I'm just doing Audubon, but you know, doesn't mean that, you know, in a year or so, there could be other things that pop up. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, how, how do we get a hold of you? Somebody wants to get a hold of you and wants to maybe have you call their race or find out about more about your podcasts or is, is there a, a central location where we can find out everything? Well, you can shoot me an email, uh, Jeremy underscore Scott at ymail.com. Uh, when you see me at the track, I'm very friendly. I don't bite hard, just it's okay. Um, but um <laughs> podcast you can find on any podcast service inside open wheel we try to do it weekly there's some weeks where one of us is too busy or you know we're trying to you know get off the ground running um and you know if, if you want to help out with that too uh same email and i 
I'm open for anything. And I'd love to hear from you if you have any questions, uh, any concerns, you know, just want to talk. I'm um, always there. All right. So subscribe to that podcast and reach out to you and say hello at the track. That sounds like a perfect plan for all the listeners. It, it is. And you know what? I'm excited for this weekend. Uh, it's going to be a fun weekend, I think. And it's going to be warm. So drink your fluids, put your sunscreen on, but it's going to be a blast. I can't wait. All right. Well, thanks. Well, we'll see you around the track. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Well, producer Mark, welcome back. Thank you, sir. And yeah, Jeremy's pretty cool, dude. You know, I've known Jeremy outside. You know, it was funny. I met Jeremy at the Autobahn. And I don't know if some people know, my wife used to be a radio personality here in Chicago and still dabbles and does voiceover and stuff. And we're at a, a radio station Christmas party in Joliet for the, all, the big, all the Joliet radio stations. And here comes Jeremy Scott walking over and saying, hey, how you doing? And I'm like, what are you doing here? He goes, oh, I work here. And then Andy, my wife, walks up. She's like, Jeremy, how are you? They know each other. They hung out. They've worked together. They've done shadow traffic together. So they've known the whole entire gamut of people. And it's just a very small world when you sit there and you look at it. So, uh, but a great interview. Um, And, you know, I think he's a young man that has a ton of potential and a lot of big future ahead of him. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you you said it right before we started. He's, he's, uh, firing all cylinders. Yeah. We'll see where it goes. I mean, uh, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. So, uh, anyway, we will see you at springtime speed fest this weekend. Hey, by the way, just a thing before we hang up, hopefully you all listen to this and enjoyed our podcast. Could you do us a small little tiny favor? Put your arm around Craig and say, hey, that was a great podcast. Okay. Yeah, let's there do it go. that way. Let me, let me yeah. rephrase that. Can you edit this? <laughs> no. This is, uh, this, is one, this is one cut. There's no editing. <laughs> no, nah, Craig, I'm just giving you a hard time, my friend. We love you. Hope you're listening. And everybody, please like and subscribe to the podcast. Share with your friends. The more listeners, the better we do. So thank you very much. Until next time, for producer Mark Rafarlin, I'm John Grabiel. We'll see you on our Autobahn Country Club podcast. You've been listening to Autobahn Country Club podcast, where your host, club member John Grabiel, opens the doors to America's premier auto sports club. Join us next time for Autobahn Country Club podcast. <laughs>